All right, everybody. Good morning on this very frosty, frosty winter morning. We'll begin our study. We'll go a little bit later. We're all going to be here afterwards, right? So that's fine. Matins, is, it's matins today, so we, 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 have, we have some time. All right. Well, let's begin with prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you have caused all the Holy Scriptures to be written for our learning. May we so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by the patience and comfort offered by your Holy Word, we can embrace and ever hold fast to the blessed hope of eternal life, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. All right. So, we picked a good Sunday to do food from heaven. Um, um, unfortunately, the Bible truth this morning is not that God provides our daily chili, but He provides our daily bread. Um, the goal that we want you to take away is that you can connect Israel's total dependence on God's provision in the wilderness with your total dependence on God today. And a Bible verse that kind of summarizes that is John 6.35. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. All right. Opening reflection. What are the main things that you depend on to get you through the day? Think of a time when... Coffee. Huh? Coffee. I was expecting her to answer that. <laughs> Morning coffee. How many here people wake up with a morning coffee? Yeah. Tea. Tea? Yeah. Yeah. What about what are some other things that help you get you through the day? Think of mundane things too. Getting enough sleep at night. Enough sleep at night, absolutely. What are some other things? Prayer. God, I need your help today. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Prayer. Nice and sunny. Not dull and dreary. Sun, sunshine, yep. Yeah. <coughs> what about other, some other things that help you get you through the day? Electricity. electricity. <laughs> unless, unless you're a Mennonite, electricity is pretty important. Um, what other things get you through the day? Food. Food, that's right. Food, you need some food to get you through the day. Um, what about, uh, so we have weather, electricity, food. If you're coming to and fro to work, what else do you hope gets you through the day? Transportation. Transportation, maybe traffic, good traffic, right? Um, paychecks <laughs> help get you through the day, through the day, through the month, right? Good health. Good health, absolutely. What about? Think of a time when one of these failed. How did that alter or transform your day? When, when the coffee ran dry. <laughs> it seems to be like a domino effect for the rest of the day. Right. Things just don't go the way you hope The balance and equilibrium are thrown off, aren't they? And then you get grumpier. <laughs> and then you get grumpier. Yep, that's right. Um, well, the point of this is to say that there are things that we depend on, and, and often there's things we depend on that we don't even often think about. And in this lesson, uh, the Israelites are learning a, a few things about what it means to be dependent on God. 
And that's uh, the big point that's coming through in our text today. All right. Exodus 16. I'll start us on the first three verses. They set out from Elim, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness, and said to them, Would that we have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. So, looking at the text, what specifically was the complaint of the Israelites? <laughs> We're being starved to death. <laughs> um, there's, um, how, oh, where was the, there was a Bible that, that said, uh, oh yeah, yep, yep, yep. So meat by the flesh pots, if I was to put that into modern par parlance, I would say meat by the bucket load. Oh. Right? You know, when we ate meat by the bucket load. Uh, when we seen, hmm? when we sat by the meat pots. Yeah. They, as slaves, they wouldn't eat a lot of that meat. Well, but with that, you're highlighting their false memory. Yeah, it's, it's selective memory. Selective memory, right? <laughs> um, you know, they're exaggerating. When we sat by the, uh, uh, and ate bread to the full, you know, like, uh, no, you guys were slaves. Um, that, that's absolutely right. So, so, so they complain, but who do, who do they complain against? Aaron and Moses. Um, what commandment does that break, by the way? Very first one, because they're really complaining against God. Right, all commandments are ultimately a breaking of the first one, but there's another one they've broken first, before the first. Well, more immediately. Fourth. The fourth. They broke the fourth commandment. You should fear and love God that you know that despise parents and other authorities. Right? And that's what they've um, done. Do not. So, um, so they, yeah, they, they've broken the fourth commandment, which tells us to honor those who've been placed in leadership positions over us, and that includes spiritual leadership. Um, and so, and they did it by complaining. No, we don't do that today, do we? We don't. We're so much better than those Israelites in the desert, we don't complain about our ministers over the years. We don't do that kind of stuff anymore, do we? No, not anymore. We're so much better than them. <laughs> um, um, so they misremember their plight in Egypt. Um, so do, do we, so that, that's the second part of the question. Do we today ever have similar complaints? Against God or his pastors. Against God? Yeah. I think of, of today, there's so much anti-God. Sure. Social media, TV, whatever, it's all, you know, right. about religion but did, and God and all that kind of 
Now, the difference here, though, is that these are people whom God has saved, not unbelievers. Well, they got to witness the miracle of the opening of the waters. That's right. When we ever get to witness the miracle of that? It's yeah. gold, no matter how much you have, you always want more. Yeah. Right. Adam and Eve had everything in the garden. Yeah. Everything they could possibly need, but they wanted more. That's right. Well, th there's that old adage, seeing is believing. And, and the, in the New Testament, it's no, not seeing is, or in the Bible, it's not seeing that's believing, it's hearing is believing. <laughs> um, God gives faith not through the eyes, but through the ears. Right? Faith comes by hearing. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, and... It's, it's, it's very easy for us to complain. Um, but we have to see here that um, their God takes the complaint against Moses and Aaron, the two people he's put in charge, and he takes that as a complaint against him himself. Well, we're going to see that. Um, and we can easily do the same thing today. And we do do the same thing today. It pops up here and there, and we have to... Remember, and that's why we, we these texts we, we cover these texts so that it reminds us, oh yeah, that's right. God wasn't too happy <laughs> at different points with the Israelites. They complained lots. All right, let's move on to the next section. Somebody want to read to uh, read four through twelve. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, at evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your murmurings against the Lord. For what are we that you murmur against us? And Moses said, when the Lord gives you in the evening flesh to eat, in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your murmurings, which you murmur against him. What are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your murmurings. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud, and the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the murmurings of the people of Israel. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat flesh, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Thank you. So the question here is from the text, what are, the different, what are God's different purposes for sending the miraculous food from heaven for his people? What is why is God doing this? So that they know it's from Him. So that they know it's from Him. That's right. So they'll shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of murmuring. There's a lot of murmuring. That's right. Well, speaking, you know, um, where where does it say um, they murmur? They murmured under Pharaoh. They murmured at the Red Sea. They murmured at Merah in chapter 15, and they murmur against their leaders in Numbers 16, 17, and 11. <laughs> they, they grumble. So what's different today? Nothing. 
That was the last question. Nothing's different today. No, we don't. I think that's a good point in that this is only a month after they left Egypt. That's right. So all this stuff has happened. <laughs> the color of cloud, the color of fire, the Red Sea. Forget all that. <laughs> that's, that's right. It's already forgotten in 30 days. It, it's like they've forgotten the God that they're worshiping. So what? they're just like society today. They need instant gratification okay. now. Yeah. Now, so... so why does God give them what um, what why does God give them bread then? First of all, to feed them. To feed them, yeah, absolutely. To feed well, them. And God to loves feed, his people. Ah, that's a good point. God show, how does God respond to their grumbling? Does he smite them? No. Not not in this case. In other cases, there's another case where he wants to. <laughs> um, and Moses intercedes. And he stopped. But in here, he responds with mercy. Um, isn't, that a, isn't that good news for us? How many times have we complained about our pastors? Myself included. And yet, God has mercy on us. He doesn't zap us. Um, doesn't stop our hearts. You know, he gives us a chance to repent. That, that's good news. So what... Um, there, there's a few other reasons in this text why God is doing this. To test them, see if they can follow um, instructions. To test them, to see whether they will follow instructions. Um, and what? What? And, and there's another. There's another thing that that uh, uh, that it's doing by doing that. He's showing that they're dependent on it. That's right. And by showing that they're dependent on him, that every day they get this miraculous bread, and every evening they get this miraculous meat, it builds up what? Trust. Trust. It builds up the trust and the confidence you'd hope. <laughs> Last for another 30 days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, they won't like the food then. They want something different. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. And so he's building up confidence in them that not only does he take care of them, he takes care of them both through physical means and through Moses and Aaron, through his appointed leaders. So that's, that's important to see. I think it's neat that for six days of the week they have to, or five days of the week they gather just enough for today. Because if you gather more, it's going to spoil by morning. But on the sixth day, they can gather twice as much. It doesn't spoil by morning. Yeah, yeah. So it's a double miracle. Yeah. That's right. Um, well, they're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, so... Uh, they're not, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so they have to, yeah, that's right. So you can't pick up anything. That's right. You can't pick up anything. All right, let's... Uh, <laughs> Um, we have, this is funny. We have Jewish appliances at home. Oh, <laughs> they're, they're set up for the Sabbath. So that they don't work. They don't work. Well, they don't produce ice. They don't produce ice or, or anything like yeah. that on Saturday. That's, <laughs> that's, that's funny. Yeah, um, bring you the manual. I, I think you should uh, get the catechism out and convert them. <laughs> I don't think they'll listen. <laughs> so let's turn um, 
to John chapter 6 for a second. Remember Jesus, this is... um, Jesus takes... um, Jesus uh, feeds uh, the crowds, the 5,000. And then in verse uh, 22, on the next day, the people who remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had only one, there, one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but the disciples had gone on alone. However, boats from Tiberias came near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the people saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples themselves, they got into boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to the eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you from, uh, for on him has God the Father set his seal. They said to him, What must we be doing to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. My father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I say to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. And it goes on. Um, uh, and of course, Jesus takes this, and, and they, and then in verse forty-one, they grumble at him because they say that, and um, um, and and uh, of course, that's when he says uh, in verse uh, fifty-three, um, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. For he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. So I just want to uh, highlight that, that what's, after reading that, what does the manna um, represent, symbolize, point forward to? The bread of life. Why does, thread the needle, explain that to me. How does that, what's the connection here between what God is trying to tell the Israelites and the bread of life and what Jesus is saying in John 5. There's a connection here. Well, the crucifixion. No, no, no. Something something more. Depending on the manna from heaven for their to live right. as they have to depend on him to get into heaven. That's that's right. So you see that? So God, by, by having them depend daily on the manna, God is teaching them to depend on him. And Jesus says he is the bread of life. Why? Because we are supposed to depend on 
Him. We're supposed to trust in Him. Because uh, He is the bread of life. And, and in order to um, get the thought across to us, you know, slow-witted folks, He gives us His very flesh and blood to eat and to drink. All right, so uh, the manna in the wilderness points towards the Lord's Supper. All right, so the next section is uh, 16, or 13 to 30. Um, does somebody want to read that? Or shall I read it? It's a big section. Okay, and in the evenings, quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, dew lay around uh, above the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine, lake-like thing, fine as hoarfrost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? But they did not know it was what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread which the Lord has given to you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather up every man of you as much as you can eat. You shall take it over feet apiece, according to the number of persons who each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some not. But when they measured it with the owner, he that gathered much had nothing over. And he that gathered little had no less. Each gathered according to what he could eat. Moses said to them, Let no man leave any of it till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till morning, and it bred worms and became foul. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as they could to eat. But when the, sun, when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers apiece. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will, bake and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay by to be kept till the morning. So they laid it by till morning, as Moses bade them, and it did not become foul, and there were no worms in it. Moses said, Eat it today, for tomorrow is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather and they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain every man of you in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Thank you. From the words or phrases in the text, what are the different lessons God taught his people about dependence in this section? And what can we learn about how we depend on God in all of this? So what kind of lesson? One day at a time. One day at a time, right? Day to day. Uh, they had to, some people had to learn the lesson day after day. Give us this day our daily bread. 
That is right. Give us this day our daily bread. Um, that's why we pray that a couple times a day to remind us. So uh, we need to trust on God for day to day. What, what about what other lessons do you see about depending on God? God fulfills His promises. Sure. Yep. God's gifts are participatory in that they have to go and gather this stuff. Right. God just doesn't. You're full. That's right. <laughs> so He's given them the gift, but they have to participate in that. Talk. Let's talk a little bit more about that. Um, what do we learn about the manner in which they're supposed to to give, and what they can and can't do, and this kind of thing? Well, they don't follow instructions. <laughs> <laughs> and those who don't follow instructions, what does that in, in, what does that indicate about what what about their hearts? They're, they're, trusting, God. they're not trusting God. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, so there's a good lesson about uh, uh, sin and disobedience is a good sign that you don't trust in God on a certain thing. Um, so that, that that that's a good uh, a good indicator. Uh, this, this is before they get the Sinai too, so they haven't got the Ten Commandments at this point. No, they have. You're right. They haven't got the Ten Commandments, but the Ten Commandments are eternal in that the principles that they hold are always applicable. Um, um, God put them in writing because the people couldn't follow them without it. That's right. Um, but notice, notice how much were they supposed to um, gather? An omer. Huh? An omer. An omer, which is uh, uh, two quarts, by the way. Um, <coughs> And and what do some people do instead of gathering just the daily the daily portion? They want to gather more. They want to they want to gather more. They want to hoard it. In case this doesn't come to mind. Right. Um, kind of like COVID toilet paper. <laughs> kind of like. There's a, there's a, I think there's an interesting lesson there. You know we sometimes don't we want to prepare for the worst. We want to hoard. We want to have a little fund squirreled away for a rainy occasion. Um, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but we have to look. The point is, we have to look at our hearts and say, "Is that money there because I'm being prudent and, and wise with my money, or is that money there because I don't trust that God will provide for me tomorrow, and I need to have a safety net?" Um, right? That that can be applied to our our home situations. It can be applied to the church situation. Uh, we have we we have. A little money in the bank. Uh, do we have it there because we don't trust God will provide for us? And so we need to have some there, right? Or do we have it there um, because we want to be good with our money and, and good stewards, right? That's a question we all have to ask ourselves, both as a church and as individuals with our own bank accounts and our things. Um, what, are, what do they learn about, um, what other lessons do we learn about trusting God? In this, and how, and, and uh, le- not just trusting God, but lessons taught by God is. There's a couple other lessons that He's trying to get across to them. Everybody gets the same rations. Everybody gets the same. Yeah, that's right. God provides each sufficient. Right? It's sufficient. It's exactly what they need. Not a drop more, and it's for everybody. That's right. What else? What other things do you see? God lessons. The rules are there for a reason. 
Mm -hmm. If you gather more, it's going to go wrong. That's right. So don't gather more. <laughs> All right, so to talk about the, the, the Sabbath, what's, what lesson is God trying to get across to them on that? That's right. Right. We are to not just uh, sanctify the holy day. What does this mean? We are not to despise preaching as God's word, but hold it sacred, gladly hear it and learn it. Right. Uh, that's the lesson he's trying to get across to them. That they're supposed to. It, it, God wants them to take time off and to hear his word uh, in their context as it's read and taught by the priests and the Levites. In our day, that would mean making sure that church is a, is a top priority um, for us. All right, I think we covered most of the, the main lessons here. Um, let's uh, move on to the next one. Yeah. And I'll read, I'll finish this off here. Now, the house of Israel called its name Manah. Uh, it was like coriander seed, white, and, taste, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. And Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations, that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put an omer of manna in it, and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout all throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. And the people of Israel ate the manna forty years till they came to a habitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. And Omer is a tenth part of an ephah just in case you were confused on the exact measurements there. Now we have, now it should be clear in your head uh, that an omer is only a tenth part of an ephah. Um, an ephah then, if, if an omer is two quarts, that's 20. About 20 liters. 20 liters. 20 quarts. Yeah. All right. What was so significant symbolically about keeping a jar of manna in a holy place throughout the generations and what can we learn from this? First, I want to talk about the, the name. The name is funny. Manna means what is it? <laughs> they, call, they, they saw it and they go, what is it? In Hebrew, it's manhu. Manhu. And so that's what they ended up calling it. It's, they named the bread. What is it? We don't know what it is. So the, they, the, the name in Hebrew of the, the seed is literally what is it? Um, it's just... Kind of funny. So this paragraph actually does not take place at the exact same time as the uh, the rest of this chapter. Do you know how we know? Anybody? Because it's written as though they're already in Canaan. No, uh, no, I suppose. It could have been written um, in the future. There's another... There's another... Um, yeah, it, it said they ate the man until they came to the border of the land. Of Egypt, right, so. that, but that's not, that's not quite the... Uh, the, 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 Lord, the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. What testimony? So Post-Sinai. Right. And they put it in the Ark of the Tabernacle, which has not yet been built. So this paragraph 
is describing is is is, is describing what happened a little bit after this, and they've put it here with this chapter because I mean it's a good place to put it. All right, so that's okay, here, here's a, a good question: How is that different than our Roman Catholic friends putting it in a tabernacle on the altar, the sacrament? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, the, our Roman Catholic friends absolutely do that. They they take um, they take uh, the uh, consecrated bread. And they put it in a tabernacle, um, and they res- they do what we call reserving it, and they put it um, in the sacristy and or a little box out on on, on the altar area, and they or have that little on yeah. the altar. Oh, oh yeah, and so they have a little candle. You know that candle we have on the top? That is originally supposed to tell you, oh, there is consecrated element up at the front of the church. In 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 the in the monstrance in the in the uh, in the uh, tabernacle, you need to reverence the altar with special because Jesus Jesus is in with and under the bread and wine up at the front of the thing. He's in residence. He's in res. Jesus is in residence. A great way to summarize it. So we don't Lutherans don't we we have we have never practiced reservation. Very few of us have. It's all of our all of our um, when our uh, theologians are fighting in after Luther's death about what to do with the about the nature of the Lord's Supper, the one thing they didn't argue about is reservation. Everybody agreed we don't reserve. Now I'll get to why in a second. But so what do we do in the 20th century with this light? We don't have. It's supposed to be called the light of the presence because Jesus is present on the altar. Uh, well, we don't have his presence on the altar, and so we make it. Oh, it's a it's it's a symbol of his enduring presence in the church. Well, okay, you can you gussy it up with a nice spiritual thing, but that's not its real point. So I always call the, those lights the light of the absence, because he's not actually present, and yet you have a light on telling everybody that he is present. Anyway, <laughs> who told the Israelites to put the bread in in the in the uh, ark of the ark of the covenant? Lord, the Lord did. What did the Lord tell us to do with the Lord's Supper? To eat eat it. Did he give us any further instructions? No. So what do we do? We follow the Lord's instructions. Right? You can't take the Lord's instructions, which he gave to manna, and apply them to the Lord's Supper. When we have explicit instructions to take it and eat it. And, right? So that's, that's, that's why our elders consume... The, rem- the remnants after the supper is done. We don't leave any left over because Jesus told us, take it and eat it, and that's what we'll do. All right, so that, that's a good question, uh, and we'll look at that. All right, so let's quickly, what is symbolically about keeping this jar in a holy place throughout all generations, and what do we learn from it? A reminder. A reminder of what? God's... Uh... Provision, yep, God's provision, his mercy, his mercy, his provision, his faithfulness, that they can be dependent on him, that he keeps his promises. Um, and there is a connection here to the word and sacrament, is that and that is through the word and the sacraments, God continues to provide our spiritual needs daily, on top of already providing our physical needs 
through the world, right? Do synagogues have something in them? But <laughs> no, the, the temples matter. No, because um, the Ark of the Covenant was lost, and so was the jar of manna and the yeah. tablets of stone. But so they do keep the Torah. They keep the what they do is they keep the Torah in a little yeah. box, a, a Torah scroll. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a, 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 a reflection for you to think of on your way home and maybe throughout the week is connect Israel's total dependence on God's provision in the wilderness to your total dependence on God today. Something to, to think about. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that uh, you, out of your fatherly divine mercy and goodness, have provided all our needs of of body and soul. Uh, you, you've given us all things uh, that we need for our daily life. And, and uh, on top of that, you have given us your son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, who uh, continues to provide for our spiritual needs. Uh, and so, Lord, we ask that uh, you would give us hearts uh, that would be receptive to your word and to your guidance. Help us to never complain about those in, uh, who you've placed uh, and authority over us, but help us to entrust all our cares and burdens uh, to you, knowing that you have our best interests at heart. And this we pray through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. All right.